welcome to Let's Talk Vets, and we're going to continue to look at the work of veterinarians at the High Tor Animal Shelter in Rockland County, New York. We're going to meet Dr. Sheila McCaffrey, who brought in a fantastic team of her colleagues to help the shelter resolve some challenges they faced. Hey, we're also going to hear from Debbie DiBernardo, the president of the High Tor Board, and from their new manager, Victoria Cartis. And they all have a great story to tell, overcoming financial shortages, overcrowding and disease, to set the foundations for a really great looking future. My name is Tim Atkinson, and I am the executive director of the New York State Veterinary Medical Society, who produces the Let's Talk Vets podcast series. Thank you so much for joining us. This conference will now be recorded. There we go. It's official. So (laughs) why don't you say your name and who you are? My name is Debbie DiBernardo, and I am the president of Hightor Animal Shelter. Fantastic. How long have you been involved in Hightor? I've been with Hightor for four years and the president for about three years. What led you to get involved in the shelter? Actually, I just wanted to help the animals, and it sounded like they were having a little bit of a hard time, and they were looking for some board members, so I just came to help, and here I still am. (laughs) I love animals, so I've had animals my whole life. Um, I don't have experience per se with animals other than my my own. I just uh, felt that maybe my business background would help steer us more into a business direction. Obviously, the animals have to be the top reason that, that we do what we do, but the better that we operate, the better they are, the better we can provide. When I first started, we only had one volunteer veterinarian who used to come once a week and you know I thought that was quite unfortunate and I figured that most of the veterinarians just weren't interested. Uh, My name is Sheila McCaffrey and I am a small animal veterinarian that practices in northern New Jersey and southern New York State. How did you get involved in HITOR? My involvement at HITOR started a couple of years ago probably about two and a half to three years ago One of my clients was very committed to the local shelter work in our area. Over several months, we discussed some of the challenges that he was seeing at the shelter. And I couldn't help but be intrigued and want to learn more and realize that I had a lot of knowledge and experience that could help this shelter. Uh, There was not a strong veterinary involvement at the time, and some of the things that they were struggling with seemed easy enough that, you know, as a general practitioner with limited shelter experience, I could at least contribute some knowledge and experience to. He very quickly got me drawn in, and I started to serve as a veterinary advisor to the board, which was a welcome addition from the board's end of things. They, They really wanted veterinary involvement and knowledge and experience to help them uh, kind of straighten out some of the things the shelter was struggling with. I understand you've got the the county contracts. So if they bring you an animal, you have to take it. Is that right? Yes. And do they pay you? And and do they pay per animal or do they just say, here's a a lump sum for the year and you take as many animals as we bring? When I started, 
and um, we received about $188,000 from all the municipalities plus the county. And it wasn't per animal, it was any animal that showed up, we were to take it. So the municipalities now pay us about 400000 towards our our budget. It's still less than half of what we need to operate, but it's definitely better than it was, so it does help. So we are grateful you know, for that, and we still have the same open policy that we are to take the animals of Rockland County. Um, but it's hard, it's full, you know, and we try to... We try to, you know, find other ways. Unfortunately, we, we get animals every day, and they come in in a variety of ways. People find them, the animal control officer, the police. You know, it, it unfortunately is a revolving door. It doesn't stop, and they just come in in every different way. And every shelter seems to be full, you know, especially like if it's kitten season, Everybody has kittens, you know, like everybody is just kind of overwhelmed with the animals. When I first got involved, they wanted to have the veterinarians assess some of the policy and procedure that um, needed to be implemented at the shelter. There was also at the time, as I toured the shelter, a tremendous amount of overcrowding, particularly with the cats. And that, that was, for me, what stuck out the most. Um, the conditions were upsetting. Um, there, were so many, there were so many cats um, crammed into just every corner of the shelter. For me, that became my personal mission, uh, to, to work on improving the outcomes for these cats, improving um, the stay at the shelter for these cats, and, um, and moving from there. I started by bringing in some experienced um, people in the in the shelter community. Um, we're we're right outside of New York City, and so I brought in Kathleen O'Malley from the Mayor's Alliance, in New York City. She did a wonderful presentation to the board, and at that point, education started happening and understanding that there's better ways for things to be done here, um, and there's already established protocols and procedures that can be simply applied to what's going on at high tour. Um, we, we did a tour of the shelter at that time. And unfortunately at the time, the management at the shelter was not really open to change or input from outside sources. And so for a period of time, my work there was stagnated. Um, unfortunately that process kind of stopped there. Um. HITOR always had passionate people for animals helping. So the animals are always the top priority, which they should be. Like many stories where passionate people are involved, they don't always see eye to eye. Both Sheila and Debbie have referred to some struggles at the center. In the fall of 2018, these disagreements broke out of the shelter and into the public eye. News 12's Christina Cartwright's got that story from outside the Rockland County office building. Oh yeah, it's a ton of people here. The pouring rain not stopping this rally. They are right now shouting, save the animals. This is our mission and our passion, and we're not going to stop. That's it. We stand behind the animals and we're not going to back down regardless of the politicians or anybody else. Right now there's about 50 dogs and over 200 cats and kittens in there. That was the former manager of the shelter speaking, uh, saying how under his leadership, 
the shelter had actually accepted so many animals that it was at least twice its intended capacity. Balancing the shelter population is absolutely at the heart of shelter management. With overcrowding at the shelter comes an increased risk of disease. And we're going to hear how the shelter and volunteer veterinarians came together to address an outbreak of ringworm. While the population was infected with ringworm, cats could not be adopted out or even sent to other shelters. So there was no immediate solution in sight for the overcrowding itself. Here's President of the Board, Debbie DiBernardo. Having the outbreak that we did on ringworm, the veterinarian community really came together and they they just helped us immensely. I mean, we would not have gotten through that without them. You know, Dr. Weiner, Dr. McCaffrey, they were instrumental organizing it. And we had um, Dr. Lawrence, Dr. Hickel, Dr. Schaefer, and Dr. Murphy. And if I forgot somebody, I do apologize, but they were instrumental in staying with us from the beginning to the end and really helping us get through the whole process. So it's been, um, it's been a total different organization with the veterinarians included now. When the change in management happened back in November, unfortunately, there was widespread ringworm throughout the shelter, continued severe overcrowding of the cats and overcrowding of the dogs, and nowhere to appropriately isolate or treat these, these, these ringworm positive cats. And Elizabeth Berliner from Cornell came down and graciously gave her time and expertise in advising us on what to do. The local government contributed in the fact that they offered us a county building that was vacant to use as a temporary medical shelter. And that was that was key in, in getting these cats treated. We were able to treat over 100 cats uh, with ringworm uh, with the assistance of a grant from Maddie's Fund in the amount of $50,000. Um, with a lot of volunteer veterinarians from the community. And then again, the, the help of Dr. Berliner from Cornell giving us excellent protocol and policy to follow in terms of treating these cats. So it was a tremendous project, but it was the assistance of veterinarians in the shelter community, local humane societies, regional government, and then just the community of veterinarians willing to, to donate their time that, that enabled that project to actually happen and succeed. This story has a happy ending, although it took a little while coming. Here's an announcement about funding back in 2012. High Tor Animal Care Center shelters animals from all over Rockland County. And with a new facility on the way, they'll be able to take care of even more. With $500,000 from the state and more than 300,000 from private fundraising, Rockland County will build and maintain the shelter. Then in 2018, the county executive Ed Day announced more funds. Society is judged by how well it takes care of its citizens and those in need, including its pets. So today I'm announcing that I'm seeking $1.2 million in capital funds for a, new, for a new building right here for a high animal care shelter. If that sounds good, how about this just a few weeks ago in October 2019? I'm announcing today that we are adding an additional $5.7 million in a proposed 2020 capital budget for high tour construction 
bringing the total project cost to $7.75 million. Uh, so there's only, there's only one real response to that, which is, yay! And now, how about meeting the new manager of High Tour, who's going to be taking the centre into the future? Uh, my name is Victoria Cardis. I'm the manager at High Tour Animal Shelter in Pomona. I started November 3rd of last year. And what, what, did you have much experience with shelters before that? Uh, yeah, I worked um, years ago when my kids were little. I worked at Walden Humane Society um, in New York, and then I was an animal patrol officer in the town of Newburgh. I wanted to hear from Victoria how volunteer veterinarians fit into her work at the shelter. And she told me a couple of stories. And uh, by the way, some of the dogs joined in to provide the backing track. So please forgive the audio quality. You know, these, these, all these animals that are here, are, are I consider them my animals. You know, the volunteers consider them their animals. They come in every day, they spend time with them. Um, you know, the veterinarians that come in and, you know, see a dog. Um, just for instance, we had a dog that came in. He was completely covered in mange, um, derma, derma, dermatitis mange, I think it's called. Um, just from malnutrition, his immune system was compromised, and he was ninety uh, percent of his body was covered in scars and just in horrible shape. And yeah, with wow. the veterinarian's help and support, you know, we got him healthy and well. Um, you know, and he's actually my dog now. <laughs> Um, <laughs> really? I, ended, I ended up, I ended up taking him home. Um, he wasn't the nicest of dogs when he first came in because he was in a lot of pain, obviously. Um, you know, but you know, without them and them seeing, you know, the difference that they're making in these animals' lives. You know, some of them come in and they have situations like that, or you know, we have a, another dog that came in and you know he had these weird bumps on his tail and it, it almost looked like you know, animal testing or an alien encounter because they were perfectly spaced on his tail, you know? And one of the volunteer veterinarians had come in and I'm like, what is this? Because I've never seen it before. And they're like, oh, you know, that could be a thyroid issue because it goes right up the vertebrae of the tail. I've never seen anything like that. And, you know, come to find out we did thyroid tests and, you know, he did have some issues with his thyroid, but he has um, Addison's disease because we had to do another test. So, that's what they're from, you know, but now this dog has been adopted. The adopting family is willing to take on the responsibility of these medical needs for this dog. But without the veterinarians, I would have been looking at this dog and I don't, I would have never known what was wrong with him, you know? So having the volunteer vets come in when we have an animal like that, that comes in is, is so helpful. And I think they get a lot out of it as well. You know, it's, it, you know, it's a great feeling to help these animals that are in need. Part of this success story is due to how the shelter has engaged local veterinarians in its work. And Debbie DiBernardo outlined how that has progressed. You know, we have Dr. Weiner who joined our board and Dr. McCaffrey, she is like um, an advisory board for us. She'll come and she'll help us on oversee larger problems. And Dr. Weiner comes every week and is in charge of the shelter, you know, <laughs> as, a, as our veterinarian for now. Um, which has been incredible. He has just been like a lifesaver for, for us with the animals. So it's great to see 
it's great to see that they're interested and they want to be involved and they're here to help. And there's just so many ways that they can help. And it's so appreciated. And, you know, I don't know um, where the disconnect was before, you know, that all these veterinarians weren't involved. But um, having them around now is, is great. And, you know, some veterinarians take some animals, some cats, and they'll leave them to be adopted out of their office, which which helps bring, you know, helps get our animals out and adopted. You know, so so that's a plus too. You know, there's just so many different ways which we could work together. So that's wonderful. What do you see as the various roles that a veterinarian could take when getting involved? They could help look over medical records for animals. Like I said, they could house some cats or a dog, a way for the animal to get more exposure to people and help to get them adopted. They can just help write policies and procedures. They could really just be a phone call away. A dog could seem to be aggressive or not friendly, and it could really just be injured or hurt. And a veterinarian could probably pick that up a lot quicker than the average person. I've often thought that maybe when we're trying to encourage veterinarians to get involved in shelters, they say, we've already got a veterinarian. We don't need any more. But it sounds like from your, your saying, a shelter is better off with a, a whole pool of veterinarians. Absolutely. You don't want to take advantage of the one or two that really come and help you. It's not fair. Maybe Mondays could be the first veterinarian. Tuesdays could be another veterinarian. One person could be the on-call, like when we have problems, and one person can help you write procedures. And, and what I've noticed from the veterinarians, all who've come, especially in the beginning when they all came together and they worked together and they, they created their own committee and they really built on each other's skills. In November of 2018, there was a change in shelter management. And from that point on, the changes have been really incredible to see when the, the management of the shelter and the board are, are equally yoked and have a uh, a similar mission and are open to utilizing the wealth of outside resources available for shelters. Uh, that's where we've really been able to see a tremendous amount of change happen. That's fantastic. And I understand you you reached out and got some other veterinarians involved. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So this is what's incredible. As a general practitioner, I did some shelter work in vet school and that's pretty much where it ended. But what I've learned in my experience at HITOR is that the shelter community is extremely tight-knit. Um, and shelter veterinarians and people working in animal welfare, for the most part, are really willing to help each other out. And there's been incredible initiatives like the Million Cat Challenge. Um, there's programs like Maddie's Fund. And then our local uh, veterinary schools, such as Cornell here in New York State, that help a veterinarian like myself with very little shelter experience facilitate knowledge and protocol to help my local shelter. And so that's what we've done. Wow. So it sounds like you kind of wander along to the shelter and just start saying, hey, how can I help? And then it sort of blossoms out into this huge project. Yeah. And it it, it did. I had no idea what I was getting myself into there. And um, and I think for me, you know, my gifting is, is in administrative oversight. I, I love that. Um, I thrive on it. I feel like I'm good at it. And so my role has been 
more in an administrative capacity and organizational capacity. Um, Dr. Berliner had advised us on forming an animal welfare committee for the shelter. And so I am spearheading that. And we, we meet every month, sometimes bi-monthly, to discuss some of the challenges that the shelter is facing, um, individual cases. If there's an animal that has a unique medical condition or behavioral issue, uh, there's there's board members and um, community members on this board that help us work together to figure out what the best outcome for that animal is. As we work through these individual cases, we recognize that they can be applied more broadly and, and policy and procedure can be utilized to to affect animals down the road. I'm listening to all this and thinking, well, you're also a busy vet. Um, I think you have young children. You know, yes. How do you find the time for all this? It's challenging. The biggest learning lesson was to set clear boundaries and to stay in my lane, so to speak. I know that my lane and my gifting is this kind of administrative organizational capacity. So that's what I've focused on and that's what I've pushed into. And what's been great is that there are other veterinarians in the community. There's so much work to be done in this shelter. And I think the same is true for many shelters throughout the country. Um, there is more work than I am capable of doing, but I write my lists and the things that are most important um, and kind of, you know, work at it one step at a time. And slowly but surely, there has been tremendous improvement. And it's it's uh, thanks to a, a, um, a broad force of veterinarians coming together and, and doing their part. Um, yeah, I've got a, I've just recently opened a mobile practice. I've got two young children and a family and all these things. But this work is so tremendously fulfilling um, that I'm, I'm thankful to be in this position where I can help these animals and help my community shelter um, and give back in that way. Tell me more about that. Um, you know, your whole life is helping animals. What's different that makes it more fulfilling? I find that my impact can be much more broad than it is in general practice or in seeing one patient at a time. What I'm doing at the shelter now is, is potentially impacting far more animals than I could see on any given day. So the time that I spend writing an intake policy for the shelter is going to help hundreds, arguably, if not thousands of cats um, better move through the shelter, find forever homes without me ever laying hands on them or, or seeing them individually. That is tremendously fulfilling. Um, and then also to reaching a population that I think as veterinarians, we don't often see in practice. A lot of these cats have never set foot inside of a veterinary practice or had a veterinarian lay hands on them before to examine them. There's this, there's this population of animals that don't get that veterinary care that we see, particularly in the feline population. And so I think it's an opportunity to help these underserved populations of animals as well. Fantastic. What about the difference you've seen? What's it like now compared to when you first got involved? The outpouring support from the community has enabled programs and the openness to the support from the community, the veterinary community, and then just the population at large has allowed different programs to take place in the shelter that are just tremendous. One great example is there's a dog trotters club. High tour has a lot of high energy terrier breeds, mostly pit bulls. And these dogs are in these indoor outdoor runs all day. 
some of them are jumping four feet into the air with all this uh, pent up energy. And so this dog trotters club has been formed and welcomed at the shelter where local runners take dogs out and will run with them. And some of these dogs have run cumulatively, like over the course of several weeks, over a hundred miles, some of them 200 miles. And it's just such a healthy outlet for these animals. It's, it's releasing this pent up energy, relieving them from boredom and also giving them excellent leash training and making them even more adaptable to people that might have an athletic lifestyle and look for a, a canine running partner. Programs like that have been implemented the shelter is so much cleaner and more organized. Every time I walk into the shelter, I'm, I'm blown away by the improvements and um, some of the changes that the management there has done. They're, they're doing a tremendous job and, and the work is continuing. The board and the, the shelter management and the community veterinarians were pushing into that change and trying to make the shelter what we envision it, it can be and could be. Um, and so that's the progress for sure. And what would you say to other veterinarians who are considering getting involved in a shelter? I think that if you're feeling called to do it, it's worth it. There are so many things that your local community shelter needs. And whether it's spending one day a month going in and administering rabies vaccinations, or if it's getting involved on the board, um, or even as an advisor to the board, as the case for me, and helping to write the policy and procedure. I think that it's tremendously fulfilling and it's a worthwhile investment of your time and energy. I think the other recommendation I would have would be to set clear boundaries on what you can and cannot do. Because as I mentioned earlier, there's so much that the shelter needs and I'm sure many shelters are, are in a similar boat and we cannot do it all. I think there's a lot of veterinarians in in each of our communities that want to do this work and can help. And if we all contribute a little, it can make a tremendous impact. Oh my gosh, I recorded so much other great information for this podcast, but our time is up. Thank you, Dr. Sheila McCaffrey, Debbie DiBernardo, and Victoria Cartis. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to the NYS BMS Animal Welfare Committee for your inspiration and have a great time connecting with your local community shelter. See you next time.